The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Writing a book doesn't need to be hard. And for many writers, all you need to do to learn to write faster is learn how to get out of your own way. Would you believe me if I told you people can write a book in just a matter of months? Some people can write a book in just a matter of weeks, but we're not going to go that far today. Today, we're going to talk about how to write a book in 90 days. And we have the perfect guest to talk to us about this. She's a co-founder of Girl Defined Ministries and author of several books for young girls, including Girl Defined and Love Defined. Kristen Clark, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So how did you learn how to write a book in 90 days? I think by accident, actually. So my sister and I co-authored all of the books. We've written four that have been published, and then we have a fifth that's in the works. So we just finished writing it. Our publisher just gave us the final draft and design pages, which is like the final stage, and everything looks good. So that'll release this fall. But really, the first book we wrote, that was back in 2016, and it was our Girl Defined book, the very first one, Name of Our Ministry. We had no idea what we were doing, literally, just like anyone writing a book for the first time. Like, how do you even do this? Our publisher said, you know, people take anywhere from, you know, four months to a year or longer, but we recommend, you know, maybe trying to write it in six months. And since there's two of us, we're like, okay, that's like each writing half a book, so we can do this. And it was the hardest thing I think we'd ever done, writing that book together and then trying to write it in six months. And after that first book, we... We kind of revamped when our publisher offered us another contract. We were really excited, but like, okay, how can we do this in a way that doesn't kill us and like kill our families and kill our marriages? Um, And so we had to get more strategic. So we just started doing some research and talking to other authors and realized that we did not have a very good plan the first time around. And so with the next book, I think we wrote it maybe. It's like each time we got faster. The second book, I think it was like five months. And then the third book, I think that was the one, yes, that we did in 90 days. And then we had a devotional, which was a little bit faster. Because that first book, you're not just writing the book. You're also learning how to write a book, which is a huge learning experience. And so even if you made no changes, I would expect that second book to go a lot faster. And why I'm excited to do this interview, because would you believe me if I told you there's another way to learn than from your own mistakes? You can learn from the mistakes of others. So yes. uh, what were some of those things other than learning? Obviously, you don't know how to write a book, mm-hmm. writing your first book. But what are some of the things that you're doing with that first book that really slowed it down that caused it to take so long? We didn't have very good deadlines. So we had this big deadline of six months, right? So it's on the calendar. Six months, we want to be finished. But we didn't have really good shorter markers along the way to say, okay, when are we going to finish the first and second chapter? When are we going to finish? You know, when are we going to reach the halfway point? When is when are we going to be three quarters of the way through? When are we going to review? It was just kind of like, okay, let's try to, you know, maybe finish half of the book by this time and then the rest by that time. And it always takes longer. And as you're revamping, you know, we would get together to review, which was nice having two people reading each other's work as you're going along. But also really hard because you're getting all these, all this helpful criticism (laughs) as you write, which I do recommend anyone, even if you're writing a book alone, which is what most people do, having someone else read your chapters along the way and give you input helps you while you're still in that frame of mind within that chapter to make those changes before it's like, okay, wait, what was I even trying to say? So we just didn't have a good plan. We didn't have good deadlines. We didn't have it all written out. And we just realized that, yeah, you know, without a plan, the people perish. And we were feeling that. 
Yeah, I was talking with Jerry Jenkins on the show uh, several episodes ago, and he's like a super fast writer. I think it takes him three or four weeks to put down a, a rough draft for a book. And one of the things he does is he takes the expected word count of the book and he kind of reverses it out to, you know, how many words or how many pages. I think he, I think he thinks in pages, if I'm not mistaken, mm. he's, he's from that older generation that <laughs> learned to type on typewriters and they tend to measure in pages rather than in words. Um, but he uh, knows exactly each day how many words he's going to write. And, you know, after writing 200 books, he does it, <laughs> you know, uh, he knows he knows about how much work it, it does and he treats it like a job and he keeps working at it until it's done. And that reversing out the, the writing, which isn't that much work. It maybe takes 10 minutes in a calculator to, and, and you just sit down and be like, OK, the book, especially for nonfiction. Right. Because hopefully you have an outline coming into the nonfiction book because you put a proposal together. So you're like, OK, there's 12 chapters. We've got you know, these 16 weeks or these eight weeks. So we, that means we need to write X number of chapters per week. And then you divide that into how much writing per day. And you, you have an idea of kind of a daily pace. So you're not trying to cram, which is hard because we all crammed in school and it worked in school and it doesn't work with a book. <laughs> not if you want to have a quality product, unless you're some <laughs> kind of person who really thrives under that moment of cramming. But yeah, that's exactly what we did for the book that we wrote in 90 days. We you know, our, our publisher actually determined how many words. So they said, we want this book to be 50,000 words. And usually if you're working with a publisher, you will agree on that before you actually start writing when you turn in your proposal and you'll decide how many words. But if you're self-publishing, that's the first thing you need to decide is how how much do I want to say on this topic that I feel passionate enough about to write a book on, right? Or this novel that I have an idea, this fictional book. Um, so you decide how long do I want this to be? Um, all of our books have been 50,000 words except our devotional, which was 30,000, which is typical for devotionals. But that's exactly what we did. We said, okay, 50,000 words, and I'm going to do the math right here with you, divided by 90 days is 555 words per day. That's really helpful. Which when you say it that way, it's like, that's not so bad. <laughs> that's not so bad. And then it's also terrifying because you're like, oh, I've got to I've got to crank out 50 or 555 good words. And then tomorrow I have to do it again. And the next day again. And most people, you want to have a break. You don't, you know, just cranking it out day after day after day without any margin or time for review. You have to factor that into. And so that's what we did. We said, okay, we pulled out a big paper calendar. So we are we are the millennial generation. We're all about digital stuff, phones, digital calendars, alerts, um, you know, all of the content management systems online. But for writing a book every single time, we get on Amazon and we buy one of those huge wall calendars. It's like 16 by 20, the big squares. And we we look at our calendar and we look at, we go to the deadline first. What is the deadline for this book? And, you know, whatever it is, 90 days, four months, whatever we agreed on with our publisher, we put a big star on that day and say book deadline. And then we go back from that day until today, counting backwards, and we count out all of the days that we're actually going to be writing. So for us, we don't want to write on Sundays. We really want to keep that day free for church and worship and family. So we block that off. We look at any days that we might be gone or traveling or speaking or a wedding or something where you know I can't write on that day. So you don't want to get yourself and cram yourself into a corner thinking every single day I'm going to crank out 500 words. Like be realistic. So we block off all of those days. We go through together, block off all of the days we know that we cannot write. 
Then we count backwards and we literally just count physically one, two, three, and we count how many days do we actually have within this 90-day period to get this book finished. And then we say 50,000 words divided by that number, which isn't usually 90 for us. I don't know. It was probably like maybe 75 days that it ended up being or so that we had to write. Then that gives us a realistic perspective of how much we actually have to have done every single day. That's right, because that accounts for real life. Right. right. And, and one thing I would encourage is to schedule in a few kind of bonus days for the unexpected things that happen, right? You yes. know, a wedding's happening long in advance, hopefully, right. but maybe not, right? Maybe there's a surprise <laughs> wedding that you have to go to uh, or, you know, something worse. You know, somebody gets hurt or has to go to the doctor or gets sick. Uh, but that is so key because it's really easy to be like, oh, of course I can watch uh, work nine days or, oh, I'll just subtract out. Uh, Sundays when it's like, no, you really want to think through. And that didn't take a lot of work. You're only 20 minutes in. There's a a saying in programming, because I come from the computer world, that hours uh, or sorry, weeks of coding can save you from hours of planning. (laughs) Because programmers hate planning. So they'd rather (laughs) code for weeks rather than do just a couple of hours of planning. But if you'll sit down and plan through It really does uh, help. So what are some other tricks that you developed uh, to write faster? Yeah, so we developed our with the book that we did the best on, which was in 90 days, is we decided how many chapters. Because it's one thing to know, okay, to do this calendar planning, which is very, very important, very essential. It will give you the track to run on. It will give you the vision and the deadlines. But you need small deadlines along the way. So even if you're like, okay, I've got this 90-day period and I see all the days I have blocked out for writing – you still you need small mile markers to know okay i've i've completed that portion i've completed that chapter so we then go through and we decide how many chapters do we want this book to be and before we put anything on the calendar we decide you know do we want it to be 10 do we want it to be 8 do we want it to be 14 um we've done everything from our first book was 18 chapters the next one was 16 i think it we've progressively gotten smaller in our all of our numbers have gotten smaller over the years but i think our most recent one was around 12 chapters so we know okay, 12 chapters, how many days of writing do we need per chapter? So we decide how many words we want per chapter. Um, And this, you really have to take into consideration the content of your book and the the thought, the topic. Because if it's like a Christian living book, then, you know, some of your topics you might want more words for, right? And so we knew some of our chapters, we were going to need more words. Like one chapter was 4,000 words, but another chapter, we didn't need 4,000 words. We needed 3,000 words. Or even our shortest one, I think, was like 1,500. It was almost like a long blog post, but it was just a short, quick, easy read. And so you need to decide if it's going to be a book that has topics that you want to expand more on or a fictional book where you know, oh, this chapter, I really want to get into more of this or whatever. Um, So we break down the chapters and then we use that information to then plug in, working backwards again, the deadlines for our chapter. So we know, oh, this chapter is 4,000 words. We're going to need this many days. And the deadline to have this chapter finished is this date. Big star deadline. And then the next day, we always put a review day. So this day is kind of like what you were saying about having a margin day or having like just a bonus day because you need that. So we always have a review day followed by any chapter deadlines and we get together, we review. This is when you as a solo author could have someone else read your chapter for you quickly, someone who's really committed friend or family member, read it for you and then give you feedback and you make any just minor adjustments. You know you're going to have more time at the end, but just minor adjustments and then boom, next day you're right into the next chapter. So Really having a strong vision for your chapters and your content will help you as you go through your calendar. And I like that as a technique for co-writing, especially because it's easy to get way off page with your co-author. And now there's all of this harmonization that has to be done because 
you both wrote for a week without talking to each other and now you're on different <laughs> yeah. pages and you have to have a one day debate about what to be said and then you have to totally rewrite it. Whereas when you're having those meetings more frequently, you're able to catch things more frequently instead of having the big fight at the end of the week. You have these little discussions throughout the week and it ends up being a more efficient process because you're wasting less time uh, during the process. And I will say, let me guess that you weren't always accurate with your estimations of those chapter lengths, right? Some of them were longer and some of them were shorter than what happened, right? Yes, that did happen. However, three books in, I feel like we had a pretty good idea. And it's funny, we would we would even almost tailor the content in that chapter to fit the word count, if that makes sense, because yeah. we were so committed to the numbers. We were so committed to making this work, making sure we reached our 50,000, that we we met all of our deadlines. I mean, we were serious about this. Like, we did not miss a deadline. And that's important is to take it very, very seriously and to really, really try to meet every small deadline along the way so you can finish it. So yeah, we were we were a little high or a little low, but overall really close to that number. And if we needed to expand a little more, we would research and, okay, how else could I, you know, what other angle could I present on this topic or what other story could I tell? Or maybe I need to expand a little more on something I already wrote and unpack it, you know, for a few more hundred words or whatever. Or my problem as a writer is that I write too much. I'm too wordy. I'm too lengthy. I'm too poetic. My sister says, like, okay, stop being so flowery. Just get to the point. You know? and <laughs> I she's... like your sister. That's my kind of writer. <laughs> she is to the point. She likes bullet points, lists, like one, two, threes, and just like, boom. And so we make a good team because I like to bring the stories and that personal touch. And she likes to bring more of the facts and the the theology and stuff. And so it's good. So we balance each other out. So she'll tell me, she'll read a chapter and say way too flowery. Like that story was good, but just shorten it. It needs to be a couple hundred words shorter. And so overall, yeah, we we help each other. We have to be gracious as sisters to one another. But yeah, having that family member or that that friend that who can really look at your stuff and give you an honest take um, just a little bit throughout, I think it helps you. And sometimes it even brings a fresh perspective. You know, when you hit writer's block, you hit that moment of like, I need to start another chapter and I just feel so dry. I just feel so like, I don't even know what to say on this. I'm passionate about this, but I don't even know what to write in this story or in this book. And having someone else come in and offer that fresh perspective can sometimes spark your your imagination, spark your brain cells and just kind of get you rolling again as a writer. Yeah, there's a saying in the military that no plan survives contact with the enemy. Right? Mm. Put together this big battle plan, but that tank that you really needed on the left flank broke down and now you don't have the tank or they they bomb something or the bridge is blown up or whatever. And so the question is, why does the military spend so much time doing planning when no plan survives contact with the enemy, that all the plans end up getting um, blown up? And the answer is, is that the plan is evidence that planning took place. And while the plan isn't super valuable, the planning is everything. <laughs> and it forces you to think through ahead of time what you're going to need, what you need to do. And it's okay that things don't go according to plan, right? That first plan you put together and the chapters didn't fit, that was okay. And the whole making it work and making it fit, that's a very um, kind of journalistic approach because journalists often have, you know, exactly a certain number of, at least in the olden days when they had columns, they had to write five inches. Yeah, It had to be exactly five inches. It could be five and a half. Yes. Couldn't be six. <laughs> it could be four and a half. Because then there'd be this awkward space in the newspaper, and so they learned exactly how to fill mm -hmm. uh, the space allotted. And that's a totally invalid strategy. But I would say as you're getting into the topic, if you feel like you need to explore something more or something's been said well enough, you can trim it down. You know, don't be the, – the plan serves you. You don't serve the plan. Yes. Amen to that. I need that reminder myself <laughs> for <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
So let's talk about, so you, you created this plan, you had the check-in. What were some other um, techniques that you used to speed up the writing process? Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't so much a technique. This is, as Christians, I've seen this to be so valuable, and it's to have a prayer team come alongside you and pray for you as you're writing your book. And this can just be a few people, a few friends, and this might not seem like it would technically help you speed up the process, but it really helps your heart, which helps you stay focused on the end goal and helps you keep your focus on the Lord and on, you know, why you have a passion for writing this in the first place. It kind of helps keep you going, just having that encouragement, knowing people are praying for you. So with each book, we've actually recruited some close friends and family, some mentors of ours as well, and put together a small prayer team and told them our deadline, shared the vision of the book with them, and just asked them if they would commit to praying for us for all of the days that we would be writing the book and even checking in on us and just, hey, how's it going? Anything specific I can pray for you for this week? And we would send them weekly updates, just like a quick text to the whole group and say, hey, praise the Lord. We finished these chapters. It's all going well. Thank you for your prayers. You know, And if it wasn't going well, like, please pray. We're really struggling. And you know, that just as Christians, as believers, having the support of our fellow believers, you know, it's kind of like a Galatians 6, like coming alongside, bearing one another's burdens and writing can feel like such a heavy burden. And it's, you know, it's a calling we feel God leading us to, but it doesn't mean we have to do it alone. We don't have to isolate ourselves and just lock ourselves in this dark room with our computer screens and crank it out. We can invite other believers to come alongside us in this journey. And I, in the end, it really ends up being a blessing for us and those who are praying for us. Like It's such a cool thing that God does in all of our hearts. But that has been such a huge part for us is just recognizing, wow, we need God in this. Like, Lord, help us not to lose sight of why we're writing this book, what our heart is in this, and to keep you at the center of it in our motives, in our writing, um, seeking your strength for the skills to press on, um, to meet our deadlines, and not just becoming so, I don't know, like so practical and so task-oriented that we tend to leave the Lord completely out of it. So that would be something that brought a lot of encouragement to us and kept us going along the way to help us um, keep our focus on the Lord and write faster was having that support of the prayer team. And powerful accountability, right? If you know that you're sending an email every Friday with how much writing you did and whether you're on track or not, that's really powerful. And I will say this is uh, a common technique I notice among authors, uh, especially nonfiction authors, where they have a prayer mm. team. I think for nonfiction authors, the spiritual warfare element of the writing is a little more obvious. That yeah. They're more likely to see it. But I think that it's just as important and just as real for fiction, too, especially if you're dealing with really important topics uh, in your fiction. Absolutely. Uh, there, there is going to be, you know, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be another side or, you know, maybe you just need the accountability. And for some authors, this is a weekly blog post or a weekly social media update. But the fact that it's a handful of people who are praying for you, that's really powerful. <laughs> that's, it made a big difference for us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Public goals, public accountability mm-hmm. uh, can make all the difference. So yeah. a lot of people, they come into writing, they've got this great plan and they've got this great enthusiasm, but then they start getting distracted, right? There's the classic distractions of a pet or a kid. There's also the bigger distractions of like social media or you know all the other obligations that I have going on. So I assume that you didn't get off work that you were able to just like go out to a cabin for three months and write by yourself. So I how did you manage life? <laughs> some people, some people can do that. I know, uh, but most one of us day, have to do day. life and write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's so true. When you take on the project of writing a book, it's typically not because it's your career, right? It's an extra thing that you are now adding into your daily life on top of everything else that you're already doing. Whether you're a full time employee, um, own your own business, a mom at home with kids, a mom who's working and taking care of kids. I mean, 
it's so hard, but I know for us, looking ahead at that calendar and then deciding like on my daily calendar. So I have, we had our big writing calendar, right? The big one that's on the wall, it's paper. But then on my phone, I would go in and I would look at my whole week one week at a time and I would look and see when can I write each day? And I would put it on my calendar and I would do a block of time like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. That's when I'm going to write and that's when I'm going to get it done. Or, you know, after after the kids are in bed or after work or whatever it is, lunchtime, I'm going to try to crank out an hour or I'm going to do an extended lunch break and do from one to three. Um, if we don't practically drill down to the the hours and the minutes of when we're going to sit down and focus, then we all know our whole day gets away from us and we're laying down in bed at night going, how did I not get any words in today? This was my day. I needed 800 or whatever it is. So just being very practical and looking realistically at your schedule and knowing it's not just going to happen. It's not going to pop up and go, whoa, look at me. I've got three hours of free time. Most of us have to intentionally plan that in. So for me, it was really a week at a time, just looking ahead and deciding when I could get that block, that writing block. And you know, sometimes things would happen and that's life. And that's why those margin days, those bonus days, those catch-up days, um, those are really, really important. Um, But I will say something interesting from the first book to the third book was the first book, like I said earlier, it just, it almost killed me and my sister. Like it almost killed us. We felt like we were writing morning, noon, and night because we didn't have a good plan. Um, Most of my evenings were taken up by writing because I wasn't being very efficient during the daytime. And I just remember my husband looking at me at the end of this and he was like, I just don't know if you can write any more books. Like this has been really rough on our marriage because I was never seeing him. I was like, all right, love you. You know, we're off work and I got to go write, you know, and it was just not really working very well. And so my sister and I, both being married, during our third book, we decided that we did not want to write during any evenings if we could help it as much as possible. And that was a really big commitment because evenings are when work's over and you have free time typically or, you know, the kids are in bed. And we just decided we wanted to try as hard as we could to find hours during the day, whether it meant up getting really early or squeezing in pockets here and there. We really didn't want to use up all of our evenings away from our husbands and our families writing. And so it was amazing as we locked down on our third book and wrote it in 90 days. There were so many hours and minutes during the week that we found to write that we never noticed before because we were so committed to not using up our evening time. Um, And so, yeah, we scheduled it out each week and it was amazing. We got it done in 90 days. And uh, you may not realize this, but evenings are your worst mind. Your Mm. brain is the most tired. It's the most fatigued. It's the emotionally most full of all the things that have happened in the day. And it's the dullest acts that you have to chop trees down with of the whole day. And so uh, you may have actually benefited by doing more of your writing earlier with your fresher mind because, you know, it's nicer to be smarter and you're smartest (laughs) often really early in the morning. Not when you first wake up, right? We're not morning people who are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. No. Um, But uh, after about 30 minutes or so... um, for most people, that's when they are the most creative, the most energetic. And it's often when we waste that time with the least important things, you know, checking social media. Yes. First thing. It's like, yes. And now we're angry and the whole day is set in the wrong direction. Right. Which I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that we committed to when we would sit down, or down to write. 
we would turn off like on my computer we all know computers it's like our whole life is on our computer it is our whole life's on our phone I, I would turn off all of my notifications do not disturb shut down my email shut down every browser on my computer except the one tab that had google drive on it where i was going to be working on my chapter and that was it. And I would not turn those things back on um, until I was finished with that writing block. Now, I would keep my phone on Do Not Disturb and only allow my favorites, you know, how you can set that so your favorites can get through in case there's an emergency. So it wasn't like I'm blocking out every family member, but it needed to be an emergency to interrupt my writing time. And it is amazing how we have this like even two or three hour block block of time or even an hour and we sit there and we wonder how we got nothing done. And I think more often than not, it's because we find ourselves just getting distracted by a little thing here, a little thing there, a five minute, you know, text conversation there. And before we know it, our time's up and we accomplish nothing. And that's really discouraging. So we do ourselves a favor when we when we turn everything off and just focus on the writing. And pro tip, when you're done with your 90 days, don't turn those notifications back. <laughs> Because uh, they're not doing you any favors, right? That, yeah. you know, I think by default, Outlook used to ding every five minutes. You used to check for an you know, email every five minutes and ding every five minutes. And it's like, I don't know how people with Outlook are able to get anything done. And almost all of them are like, oh, I'm so stressed. I can't get any work done. It's like, turn off the Outlook ding. Turn off yes. your phone's ding when you get a new email. Uh, you, be the boss of your email. Don't let it be the boss of you. And I went in on Facebook. You can turn off notifications. And if oh, all yes. you do is turn off notifications when someone likes something that you post, most of the notifications go away. It's and so really, true. you need to be notified every time somebody likes. That's the most addictive element <laughs> of Facebook. <laughs> That's yep, the dopamine yep. hit. That's the drugs. Yep. And it's no va- it doesn't mean no value, right? Some people just like things to tell themselves, oh, I've read this already. Right. It doesn't mean that they actually liked it. It doesn't mean that they like you. Sorry, <laughs> maybe I'm making you feel bad. Oh, but- <laughs> you're bursting my bubble. <laughs> Facebook friends aren't real friends. Oh, um, and, so and just true. that one change, which you can do inside of Facebook, and turning off notifications just like mm-hmm. what you did, you can live your whole life that way and be a more productive person. And at the end of your life, you will have done more good in the world because you were less distracted. Like it's it's a really powerful principle. I agree. I have all of my notifications turned off on on all of my social media, which isn't much these days. I don't even have Facebook anymore. I got rid of that. I'm like, I'm just going to do Instagram. But yeah, I've turned off all of the notifications. And so I'll get on, you know, and not even every day sometimes. And I'm like, oh, oh, cool. You know, you see comments and likes, but it's so nice being free from having to even think about it in between. I agree yeah. with you 100%. Uh, another technique that I found useful, because I, I did the math. I actually do about 800 words a day of writing just for scripts for my other podcast, Novel Marketing. And wow. So we have and we have a blog post slash script that goes along with each episode, and it's 3,000, 4,000 words. So I'm like, yeah, if, if I were to work on it every day, it's about 800 words a day. In reality, wow. I do it in a, about a two-hour win- – well, that's not true. <laughs> Ideally, <laughs> hey. I do it in a big two-hour flurry after a lot of planning and preparation. Uh, but the technique that I have to do in order to do that is I schedule appointments with myself. Because mm-hmm. I use a tool – where people can schedule, you know, calls with me or, you know, schedule podcast interviews. And, you know, people are constantly able to put things onto my calendar. And so if I need to get my own work done, I have to guard that time on the calendar. And so I do yes. kind of what you're talking about with your 90-day plan I do on a weekly basis. So it's like, okay, I got to work on my podcast during these couple of hours. And I need to work on my podcast during these couple of hours because you can't cram Four thousand word, no, <laughs> you, know, outline. you can't. <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, I, you could, I could wing it, but 
the show would be better if I put in that effort ahead of time. Exactly. And what it does is then when somebody clicks on my, you know, scheduling link, it shows that time is being booked and they don't know what it is. They may think that it's a meeting or whatever. And frankly, it's none of their business. Yeah. (laughs) Just just because you can schedule something with me doesn't mean you have the right to know what I'm doing all day long. And having those appointments with myself are really key. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did with yourself, just kind of on the fly. Um, but it, it, if you're using a Calendly or iCal or TidyCal or any of those, uh, actually putting it on the calendar is very useful. Yes, that's what I would do on my iCal. And then I would always set a reminder, even though I was constantly checking it for the next day. I would like on a Sunday schedule all of my time for the week on my calendar, on my phone. And so my husband could see it too. So, you know, we have a shared calendar. He can see when I'm when I'm planning to write. So there is some good accountability there too. But yeah, it helps you just to stay focused and look and go, oh, I've got an appointment in 30 minutes. I need to sit down and pull out my computer and start writing. That's right. And if I get distracted... Uh, I know exactly what got sacrificed. Yes. <laughs> I know what I was supposed to be doing during that time. Or if I'm not feeling well, it's like, oh, well, this nap just cost me this. You mm-hmm. know, I'm going to have to move that time to another spot. Uh, we're almost out of time, but do you have any other tips or encouragement for somebody who's who's feeling like this sounds impossible, writing a book in 90 days? They've been working on it for over a year and they're still only mm. half done. Uh, what What advice do you have? Oh, I will. I feel you. You who are hearing this right now, I feel you. It does feel impossible, but it is amazing with a plan, with a prayerful focus, with a a very clear outline of when you're going to start, when you're going to finish, how many chapters you're going to write, how many words you're shooting for, how many words you're writing every day that you're writing. It is possible. I have done it and I don't claim to be any sort of fantastic writer at all. Have learned by trial and error along the way. Um, but I've seen so many other people accomplish the same thing. And it is amazing how having that plan makes a difference. Um, something else I would say that really helped me in the midst of the trenches, like when you're in that middle of that 90-day period and you're just, you're shocked that it's only halfway through and you still have another how many days to go until you're finished. Um, I found that mixing up my environment really helped give me some fresh inspiration. Um, so if you have an office or somewhere that you typically write in your house and you just find yourself one day, one day you sit down and you just feel so uninspired and you're staring at that blank Google Drive sheet or Word document and you're just staring and nothing's coming and you're like, I'm going to sit here for two hours and write nothing. Um, write just first thing is write out the chapter title if you haven't already done that. That is a very practical way to get your page started. And the number two, if you write out that chapter title um, and you maybe stop and you might do some research or try to get some inspiration, it's still not happening. Mix up the environment. Go somewhere. Go to a, a nearby coffee shop. Just go sit in a different room in your house. Go sit outside if it's a fresh day. Um, just mix it up. And it's amazing. It might feel like, oh, no, but that's going to take 20 minutes to drive somewhere or I don't have time to spare. Well, sitting there for two hours not doing anything is not going to accomplish your goal either. Um, so I had found that there were times where I would sit down and I knew I needed to get like a thousand words done. And sometimes even that pressure alone of like a thousand words in one hour can almost cripple you and you don't do anything. So if I felt like it was one of those moments, I would just jump in my car and I would drive to the nearest coffee shop, which for me is like five minutes away because I'm in the middle of San Antonio. <laughs> and I would just pull out my computer. And it was amazing how mixing up the environment, getting a little fresh coffee, a little drink or something, it just, it really helped. And I could I would find myself, oh, like suddenly a fresh inspiration would come or I would just have a new boost of energy, which would encourage me to keep going. So that's something that along the way has really helped me. And one final quick tip from me, I will say there's an old technique of leaving your last fin- sentence unfinished. Uh, so it's kind of this dangling thread in your mind. And then when you come back to your book the next day or after your break or whatever, 
uh, you know how to finish that sentence and then you're already writing and then you just kind of are off to the races where you're not just sitting there staring at the page trying to figure out how to get started. Not that that ever happens to me, <laughs> but having <laughs> something to idea. finish uh, can really help. But I love that uh, changing your perspective. And a, a classic example of this is C.S. Lewis. So when he was mm. in college, he made a deal with his buddy uh, when they went off to the war. And this was the war, the war, because uh, they were sure this would be the war to end all wars. Uh, spoiler, it was not. But they didn't know that at the time. Uh, and he made a promise with his buddy that if either of them died, uh, the other one would take care of his parents. Well, his buddy died in the war. And so he ended up living with, for decades, this old lady who was like a mom to him, but not a mom to him. And towards the end of her life was right at the beginning of his writing career. And she would be constantly asking him for stuff. And he was supposedly still writing with a quill pen or like a fat, one of those old tiny pens. He wouldn't write on a typewriter. He had his brother type up his manuscripts. And so he would have to like dab the pen and put it back in the inkwell, just like mid sentence or mid word oh, and wow. go take care of her and then come back. And he wrote, I want to say all of mere Christianity that way. I, I forget. I'm a wow. little rusty on the details on this, but he was able to write in much worse situation than anything that you've got. Yes, <laughs> like, that is so true. Like well, with your fancy latte and your computer with 1 million megahertz and the memory and the cloud <laughs> syncing and, and the grammar checker. And like yes. he wasn't even using a typewriter. So, so stop wow. complaining and start writing. <laughs> that is so true. We needed that. We all needed to hear that today. <laughs> so uh, Kristen, uh, where can people find out more about you? Come check me out on my website at girldefined.com. I'm on, Girl Defined is on most of the socials. So Instagram, YouTube, we have a podcast called The Girl Defined Show. Um, just all about helping women and young women understand God's good design for their lives as women. What is biblical femininity? So diving into that, that is my passion. That's what our books are geared toward. And yeah, I would love to connect with you. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on The Christian Publishing Show. Our sponsor today is the Christian Writer's Market Guide. If you want help writing your book, or maybe you're looking for an editor, you're looking for an agent, or you're looking for a publisher, there's no better resource than the Christian Writer's Market Guide. And you can find it at christianwritersmarketguide.com. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.